we're writing to you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Well, good morning. What Normally we sort of say good morning to each other, so I know some of you are like, oh, we've changed tradition, what, what's going on? So I'll give you that few minutes to turn around and say hello, happy new year. No one wants to. Okay, well, we'll just keep going then. Jeez. Everyone's really excited to see each other this morning. Um, Welcome to Canterbury Gardens Community Church, if you're visiting. Uh, It's a great privilege to have you here with us, and particularly if you're listening in on our uh, web uh, site and our sermon series. Uh, We, as as Mike mentioned, we're about to begin a series called The Short of It, and the whole focus is that we're going to look at some short books of the Bible, and so today you can actually walk away from this Sunday going, I've read a whole book of the Bible, and you can tell people about how you've, you as a church, this church is going through different books of the Bible, you've read a whole book of the Bible, it'll sound like you've got a really awesome church. Um, I'm going to begin by praying for us. Father, we want to thank you for the privilege to study your word, but not just study it, but to see it transform our hearts through the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray now as we uh, meditate, as we think and see how this applies to our lives, we pray that you'd make these words come alive personally to us, not just individually, but particularly this morning as a community. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to your sight through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, when it comes to New Year, particularly this New Year, I'm not sure what you like when it comes to New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you actually do them. Uh, I tried that a few years ago. I've stopped doing them because I just get disappointed by halfway through the year. I'm not sure if you're into that. Now, obviously, 2016 has just started. According to a report last year, the top 10 resolutions for 2015 were the following. Number one, stay fit and healthy. Number two, to lose weight. Number three, enjoy life to the fullest. Number four, spend less, save more. Number five, spend more time with family and friends. Number six, get organized. Number seven, will not make any resolutions. Number eight, learn something new or hobby. Number nine, travel more. Number 10, read more. That's from a a report called the Nielsen Report. Now, when it comes to uh, New Year's resolution, what about when it comes to a Christian community or as us as Christians? Do you make sort of resolutions for the year? 
Do you say, well, I'm going to try to read the Bible more this year. I'm going to try to memorize scripture. I'm going to get plugged into my church and get involved in serving because last year was a bit hard. And there are many things that we can aspire for and they're not bad things to do. We should try to do some of these things. But what would it look like for not just as individuals but as a church community to have a resolution, to make a resolution for the new year? In the short letter that we just uh, had read to us uh, in the part of a series, so there's 1 John, 2 John and 3 John. This is right in the middle. It's a short letter to someone in particular. We don't know who she is. We don't know her by name. We just know her title. What I'm hoping that is over this next few little bit, we'll uh, focus on two main things. To meditate on the idea that uh, the type of truth that actually defines us will shape how we live. And secondly, a love that is actually true. The true kind of love, which is countercultural to the world that we live in. The, the love that we often hear in our media. In the first few verses, uh, this guy John, he's writing to this lady, uh, and he's uh, addressing, an, obviously, an issue of some sort that is going on, I think. There's two things happening. There's one, there's false teaching that's come through this particular church, and John is addressing, he's warning her against it. But not only that, there's some sort of dispute, I reckon. That's why she, he talks about loving But before just addressing it, before just jumping into it, he makes an interesting thing. He begins by reminding her who she is. I don't know if you saw in the first verse, it says, To the elder, elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. He doesn't straight away address what's going on. He reminds her who she is, that she's elect. Not only that, that she has a particular love, a truth that resides in her. And this word truth is going to be constantly in this letter. You'll see it constantly mentioned. And this truth is actually a a significant truth in that it's like none like any other truth that's out there, which is contrary to what even this letter talks about, which is a false truth where he discusses that later in the uh, following verses. But he talks about this truth comes and resides in you. What he's talking about, it's like uh, this truth coming and saying, hey, this is my home now. I live here. And so he reminds her firstly and foremostly, hey, remember who you are. Remember what lives in you. And if you want to know what this truth is, uh, in summary, we'll explain it in a minute, but he goes a little bit in verse 3, he says, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. He's saying to this lady, listen, this truth lives in you. This truth that now it comes and resides in you, that you are now someone who belongs to God. This mercy, this grace that is now in your heart, in your soul. This is what defines you. This is who you are. Now, I'm not sure uh, if you've been here before, you probably have heard me say something like, in our culture, in the world that we live in, from the time that you wake up to the last thought you have, you are having sermons preached to you who you are. You're constantly being told what defines you. What is the label? I mean, the clothes that I wore this morning, I wanted to look a particular style. 
We all think about it. We all uh, dress a particular way. We want to communicate a particular thing because we have a label on us. We want to be defined. But what John does to this lady is say, hey, remember what defines you, what's more important. That is, if you know Jesus, if you know who he is, there's something that's come to live in you. This truth is what defines you. This grace, this mercy that has been shown to you. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, at some point in your life, you were destined to be separated. You were separated from God. God in his mercy pursued you. You were under his wrath and his grace. He showed you mercy. He forgave you. He made you his son, his daughter. That's what seals you now. That's your identity. And then in light of that, he calls you to make sure that now shapes everything about you. And in particular, how you live. And in particular, how you live in community. And in this context, in this passage, how you live in community with brothers and sisters in Christ. And friends, if you don't know Jesus, we love having you here at Cambridge Gardens, or if you're listening in. Our prayer is that this year, that you will know that there's a God who's pursuing you through His Son. You may stop, you can actually stop running. You can try to fill your life with other truths, but those truths are all lies in comparison to the truth of the gospel. So come and face him. Know that there's this truth that you can find in him. Seek him. Know him. Follow him. This truth of the gospel. And when it invades your heart, it's not just a message that saves you and then you have eternal life. No, now it starts shaping everything about you. In particular, in the context of community. So in light of that, this is this truth that John is trying to explain and reminding her, saying this shapes you now. Now, he wants to unpack what is this truth? What is this love? What does true love look like? Now, when I talk about love, particularly in our day and age, we automatically think romantic love. That's what fills our minds. But this is not the kind of uh, love that we're talking about, particularly in our Aussie culture. And particularly if you're a bloke, this idea of love sounds a bit airy-fairy. I remember a few years ago, I was involved in a uh, student ministry, and there was a gentleman by the name of Jake. Jake was a guy who's poured immensely in my life. Uh, and Jake was from the States. And I, Jake had this thing that he always did every time he met guys. He would give them a big handshake and give them a hug. He used to call it a mug because it was a male hug. But every, one of the weirdest moments in my life with him as a friend was we we're hanging out and he was talking, he was pouring into my life, we were sharing life. And then as he, he's about to say bye, he gives me his normal mug. And then he says to me, I love you, bro. As he walked away, I was like, I, all I looked at him was, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to say to him. I don't know how to respond to him. See, there's a different kind of love that is actually a biblical love, which is far more deeper It's far more richer, but it's also costly. See, in this passage, John is actually uh, saying to this lady, listen, uh, this truth now resides in you. This truth now shapes you. And this truth now invades how you live. And in particular, how you love one another. See, uh, this truth uh, is the summaries of the gospel, and this gospel shapes. And not only that, this gospel now is displayed in love, in community with each other. How you interact with each other, particularly in a Christian community. 
And here in this passage, aimed at followers of Jesus. And what this love is talking about is, is much more than this world's love, in that this love says, hey, I have my preferences, but my love is defined because God loves me, and in light of that, this is how I choose to love. This is my response. It's an action. It's a, a, a thinking action. It's deliberate. It's actually true. It's defined by a relationship with God. And in light of that, I respond and love in this way. Because we're saying to ourselves, hey, now Jesus defines me. Jesus loves me. And in light of that, this is how I'm called to love. I'm choosing to do this because it brings glory to God. This is a love that is shaped by worship of the God of the universe. It's saying, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do I love this person? I know what I want to do. But I want to do what you want me to do because you loved me. And John's language in this passage is very strong. He says to her, I'm imploring, I'm pleading with you. He's saying, remember who you are. In light of that, I'm imploring with you. Love one another. And he's basing it on a foundation. He, he says to her, look, there's a commandment. Uh, and this is not a commandment that, that is new to her. It's a commandment she already knows. It's a commandment that she's known maybe when she became a Christian. And I think this is what John's alluding. The same author of this book wrote the Gospel of John and he says it. And he's, I think, reminding this lady of a commandment she would have heard because it would have come straight from Jesus' mouth. So in John 13, Jesus makes this amazing statement to his disciples. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's a radical statement that Jesus is making. He's saying, look, this love that I'm talking about is different from what the world says. This love, firstly, it's a command. It's not an option if you are a follower of Jesus. It's not saying, oh, I might love sometimes. Today's Monday. I don't really want to wake up and love this person. No, this is not an option. This is a command from Jesus. But it's not a command driven out of, oh, I better do this. No, this is a command reflecting back on Jesus' love for you. And in light of that, you love one another. But this love of community, of with each other, displays something that is so radical that it's a witness to everyone around, particularly to a broken, hurting, destroyed world that desperately needs to see this love in action. And this is what John is reminding her. And then you uh, reverse back to 1 John chapter 4. And once again, he, he's probably uh, attached to this where he's reminding the, the people who are reading that letter, saying, hey, listen, remember God loves you. This, this love now shapes you. And in light of that, love one another. And not only that, this love is now displays the gospel because this same love came and chased after you. Because that's how God loves you. This action that God has shown you in his mercy towards you through his son, Jesus. And if you say that you're a follower of Jesus, you should have this love being displayed. You can't have one or the other. It needs to be in you. And in doing so, God's love is perfected in you. It talks about in 1 John chapter 4. So what is this love that John is talking about? It's totally contrary to the world love. 
It's actually a love that is driven by a love with our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our motivator. What is this love? Well, we love because it's a command. And when we love others, we're actually showing that we obey Jesus above our own needs. What is this love? Well, when we do this kind of love, it's actually a worship. It is showing that we worship Jesus, an act of worship. And what is this love? Well, this love now shapes everything that we do. And it actually is a strong witness to the world around us. It's totally different from the kind of love that you might have heard about in the songs that you hear on radio, in the movies that you watch. That kind of love says this, hey, I will love you if you do this for me. Then I will love you. This kind of love says, no, this is what Jesus has done for me and in light of that, I will love you. It has nothing to do with me. And this is the kind of love that John's reminding this lady, particularly in a church community. Friends, I'm going to confess to you something about, when I think about the perfect church, I think about a lot of things that is ultimately revolved around me. I want you to imagine for a moment, if there was a church website or a church app that you could download that said how to find the perfect church. And some of the options on this church app or Website would be things like, the questions would be like, what area do you want this church to be in? So you type in kind of area. What kind of music do you want to have? Hymns only, this particular edition, maybe this kind of song, this kind of music, no drums, guitar only, mood lighting, whatever. Oh, this church needs to have this, my kind of church needs to have this particular kind of programs, kids' church, youth, all these things. And what if one of the questions was, what kind of people don't you want to meet in this church? And you write down the kind of people you don't want to meet. The other question was, what are the kind of people you really want to spend time with in this church? And you write down all that you wanted. And finally, this website, this app, sends you this address to go to. You arrive. It's the perfect building. It's exactly what you want in a church. You hear the music. It's the perfect kind of music that you're wanting, the kind of vibe that you want. You walk through the doors, and there's this massive mirror ultimately pointing at you or at me because that church is ultimately about me. Friends, that is not what a Christian community is about. A Christian community is not about you or me. It's about someone. It's about our Savior, Jesus Christ. And around him we gather. This is the truth that defines everything, and particularly in relationship, that shapes everything who we are. And in light of that, we are to love one another. It's interesting, you know, Canterbury Gardens Community Church as a whole, we are a unique bunch. If you look around, we have people from all different backgrounds. We've got brothers and sisters from the Presbyterian church background. If you want to know who they are, if I said things like, this is the word of the Lord. There you go. That's the Presbyterians. You know who they are. Or the Anglican background. If you want to know who are, we've got brothers and sisters from Pentecostal background. If you want to know who they are, they're the ones who are dancing a little bit, hands up a little bit. They want more worship songs. It's not enough. If you want to know who are the Baptist brothers and sisters, I'm talking about the union. They're the ones who are always involved in meetings. They know what's going on. You've got my brothers and sisters from Baptist independent background. If you want to know who they are, ask them if they've got the King James with them. Then you've got those of us who are from the brethren background. People like me who've grown up in brethren backgrounds. 
We have no idea who we are. We're confused. <laughs> Friends, I might joke around a little bit. The reason I'm doing that is on purpose. We are an interesting mix of camera guards by God's grace. And I think it's a wonderful testimony of God's ability to gather people around, not uh, identities or denominational, but around Jesus Christ. See, this gospel shapes everything. And in light of this gospel, we're called to love one another. In light of that, uh, the church or the Christian community is to display this love to each other. And then that flows out to a witness to people around us. But do you want to know how a church could get destroyed within a little bit? Do you want to know how a church in Canterbury Gardens could completely stop and God could shut the doors? Well, I think if we lose sight of Jesus is number one. But not only that, if things like bitterness, gossip, slander, division comes into a church community, that's when eventually the church will decay and shut down. The same author of 1 John in John chapter 17 wrote the, uh, um, a prayer of Jesus, one of my most favorite prayers of Jesus. He's praying both for his disciples and the disciples that would come. That's us, this church, even here today in 2016. And rather than just praying, oh, you know, Father, I pray they'll have a great church program. I pray that they'll have great preaching. I'll have this and this. No, he said, praying that they will be united around the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. It's an amazing prayer. Friends, if you want to know how a church could totally erode and be shut down, it's through anything that does not display loving one another. That's how Satan gets a foothold. That's what Satan thrives on. And not only that, that will absolutely destroy our witness. I don't know the number of men and women who I've met who have come from closed or broken, bitter churches when there's been infighting and they've left and they've totally lost faith in Jesus. Not only that, when you have non-Christians come in and getting involved, they're like, hey, this is no different from my workplace. This is no different from my broken family. It's a total um, against the gospel. And we need to be aware of this. Because we're called to live in a community, but not just kind of a community that's just about us. It's a community that's based on Jesus Christ and the gospel. And this gospel then shapes uh, how we live and love one another. Now, when we talk about loving one another, don't forget, John is uh, addressing an issue. He talks about truth. Well, what does it mean to love in truth? Remember who he's, he's writing to? He's writing to a lady to remind her, again, hey, listen, uh, you need to love one another. And he makes a very contrasting thing in verses 6 to 11. He shows that if you're not careful, this loving, this loving of one another, if you're not listening to the command, if you're not obeying this command, you're easily going to be strayed. And how are you going to be strayed? Well, he says there's going to be things like false teaching that might come. And in this context, there's a false teaching that comes in that says, hey, listen, There is Jesus, but he's not going to come back. He's not literally going to come back in flesh. And John makes a very strong statement saying, this is someone who's anti-Christ. This is someone who is denying Jesus and his deity and his promises. This is someone who does not believe in the truth, this truth that this lady should know. And he's reminding her, hey, be careful here. Because you forget this one truth. You forget this loving one another. 
what's going to happen is that it's going to erode. And, and, and he's warning him. I think that's what he's doing in this passage. And so in light of that, he calls her to remind her the truth. Because if you're not careful, false teaching will come and stray you away. This is the kind of truth that's very challenging, I think, in our day and age. Because when we think about loving one another, we sort of just kind of go, oh, I love one another, I love you, bro, I love you, yay. This is not the kind of love. This is the love that sees something and says, hey, I need to talk to you about this. Because it actually shows uh, the gospel at play. It shows the gospel at work. Friends, my prayer is that as a leadership, our prayer is that our church will continue to grow this. To love one another, to address each other, to encourage each other, to come alongside others. But in doing so, we're displaying and we're actually also encouraging people to not listen to lies. Um, sometimes I, during the week, um, every, so, every couple of months, I get the privilege to hang out with different pastors and leaders from different denominations. And often we talk about churches and we talk about what they're known for. You know, I, often I hear things like, oh man, they've really got a great preacher. You know, you should see their kids' program. It's amazing. Uh, you should see uh, their building. It looks amazing. You, you should see what they do during the week, how they reach the poor. You should see how uh, they've got these missional community model, all these things that they talk about. They're great things to discuss. I'm yet to hear someone say, hey, that includes me, and I'm praying that grows in our church, where they say, hey, um, we don't know much about that church, but what we have heard is that they hold to Jesus and the truth, and they should see the way they love each other. Friends, our prayer is as a church, as a leadership, sure, it's good to aspire for these programs we want to run so that we can reach people with the gospel to minister to people but we also want to be known as a church who holds jesus up high and when people talk about us yeah look i don't agree with everything they believe in but the way they love each other is just amazing and what if us as a church for 2016 with god's help through the power of his spirit join him in doing that with one another as a resolution and in light of that, what are ways that this could look like? Now, my temptation is to say to you as a pastor, now go do that, do it, go and love one another. But I think often what we need to do is need to step back. Step back and meditate on this reality. See, what John does straight away from the very start, remember? He reminds her who she is. He reminds her of the grace. He reminds her of the truth. He reminds her of the gospel. So firstly and foremostly, if you want to think about a practical way on how do I love one another, firstly reflect on how Jesus has loved you. Reflect on how the length that Jesus went to save you, to make you his son, to make you his daughter. And in light of that, go and love others. And secondly, when it talks about speaking in truth, what does it look like to speak in truth, in love, this truth that John is talking about? Now notice... John has a relationship with this lady. Not only that, he has a pastoral relationship. He could call on his authority, which he doesn't. So if you see someone struggling in their faith or are tempted with false doctrine, make sure you have some sort of relationship with them. Pray for them first. Don't think that you're better than them. Remind yourself of the gospel, how you too could be tempted to fall away. 
Search your own heart before you approach and talk to them. And rather than coming over them and yelling at them, come alongside them. This is what John's doing in this passage. He's coming alongside this lady to remind her. And he doesn't go on forever. He just reminds her of the truth first, of who she is. And in light of that, how that should shape your life. That includes living in community, but also rejecting false doctrine. And then maybe the other thing you could consider, as you start this year, is there bitterness? Is there angst or anger amongst anyone here at Canterbury Gardens Community Church, a fellow brother and sister in Christ, or maybe from another church? Why don't you start this year by resolving that conflict, by bringing peace? Because in doing so, you're actually both experiencing the gospel and displaying the gospel. And friends, can I invite you that if at any point you have a conflict with one of the eldership or the pastoral team, can I invite you to come and talk to us first? If you want to know how Satan's going to fester that, that's what he's going to do. So come and talk to us. We are also works in progress. And we desperately need Jesus as much as you. So come and chat to us. And we'd love to walk that with you. And if there are issues going on, there are conflicts that you need to work through, you need some help. Both John and Nathan in particular have done some conflict resolution training and they're fantastic at it. But we'd love to serve you in that way. Thirdly, friends, may we as a church this year focus on being a church that is lavishly learning to love one another. Because Jesus loved us and in light of that, in community, loving each other for the glory of God. If you want to do something simple today, as you go, grab your tea or coffee or donuts, as Mike said. In the midst of talking about how you went on holidays and how you're not looking forward to this year, why don't you ask this one question? Hey, how can I pray for you today? And just pray. It's a simple way of showing loving one another. And finally, if you don't know Jesus, our prayer as a church family is that you would come to know this love, this grace that has changed us and continuing to change us. We would love for you to come and explore that with us. Come and ask questions. We would love to answer that. Church, may we continue to grow to be a church that loves Jesus, that displays this love with one another. May it be totally set in truth of the gospel, and through that be a witness to a lost world that desperately needs it. And may we reject anything that's contrary to the gospel so that we may live lives for the glory of God. In light of that, I'm going to invite the team to come up as we sing the last song. Lord Jesus, I pray and ask that you would continue to shape us as a church family, to be individuals and also as a community that live lives based on the grace and mercy and peace that was shown to us that live lives uh, walking in this truth, rejecting anything that is contrary to your word through the gospel. And help us to love one another as you have loved us. May it be a wonderful display to the lost world. We pray against the enemy and his works in effect, even within our church community. Help us to keep short accounts with you and with one another. May we sing this song for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.